Welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And Charlene also, I mean, A, you're back. Woo! We're back. We're back. And uh, we're also welcoming in 2024, which is, I understand, the year of the dragon. Oh, ooh, I like that. Right? I don't understand what is so different about a wooden dragon. I'm going to have to go down that rabbit hole, but we were kind of looking at it today, uh, the executive producer and I, just to see what to expect. And uh, the year of the pig is going to have a really good year in the year of the dragon. So if you're a piggy. I'm not a pig. What are you? I am year of the dragon. (gasps) Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I don't know what this means for me, but you know. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. And I know we've talked about resolutions before and mm-hmm. not necessarily the thing, but um, I am really hoping that this year is better than last. Bro, <laughs> 2023 for real tried to kill me on a couple of occasions. It was not good. It, this 2024 certainly needs an improvement. I will be the first to say. Yeah. But that brings us to the first part of Episodio 56. Ooh, getting up there. I know. Ooh. We're in our 50s now. Episode, episodio 56. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be talking about a few things. Um, first, we're just going to get ourselves caught up to where we're at right now. And then we're going to talk about that little small war that might be happening in the Middle oh, East. Yeah. But look, we're going to put a twist on it and talk about this from a perspective of why we also need to be aware or not. Okay, I like it. And then the guy, then Rebel, we're just going to get caught up on what we've been watching and reading as of late. Yeah, I like that. All right, so let's get caught up with ourselves first and foremost. Mm-hmm. How are you doing other than 2023 was a kick in the pantaloons? Yeah, um, I'm good. We are. We were on a little hiatus again. Mm-hmm. We told folks uh, we were going to do, we, we just like snuck in to do pocha picks and then... And then snuck back out. Snuck back out. Um, so thank you, everyone who listened to the Pocha Picks, followed our social media, and also purchased things from our recommendations. We purchased some things from oh, yes. our recommendations, and we're super excited and happy. Um, we also got an adorable little thank you gift from... Simply Latina. And we were just beside ourselves giddy about it. Um, so thank you again for that. Um one of our dogs was so excited about so what we got was a keychain a candle and a dog toy because if you listen in you know that we both have um perritos who run around so i don't know how long yours lasted but one of our newest puppy in the house was like and this is mine thank you so apparently simply latina only sent it to ella and she was just having so much fun throwing it to herself in the backyard <laughs> Well, you're the one that said, I don't even think I'm going to give this to the dogs. So I didn't. (laughs) It is still serving as a decorative concha. Uh, You know, when I brought it out, I couldn't help myself but press the squeaky. And then all four of them were all, what? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then, yeah, she was just so adorable with it. She didn't want anybody else to use it. Yeah, that's good. I I might give in somewhere down the line and give it to the dogs, but I haven't yet. I also sent that to my brother and his family because they have a dog. Love so it. I sent the big pocha, or I'm sorry, the big um, pan dulce pillows and a dog toy for Love their it. pet as well. Cute. And they got it. They got it so quickly. Yeah, I was really, I was really happy with the, um, with the shipping and all the things. Yeah, good stuff. Um, 
I, so I had another surgery for folks that have been paying attention, you know, I'm like going through this series of things, um, had another surgery about three weeks ago. So recovering from that still, uh, and it was a, it was a doozy. Mm -hmm. My face was swollen beyond, I, I still think it looks weird. Like I still think like there's parts that look different than they did before. Um, you all are shaking your heads at me, but no, I don't know how to say this nicely without being like, but I don't pay attention to that part of you. So I don't know if it looks different. I have to like seriously think and I, I like know. that better than you always looked like that. <laughs> I think it looks different. So to be like, mm, you, always look like you know, like when you're like, oh, I look tired today. And people are like, no, you always look like that. And then you're like, oh my God. Fair. No, Fair. I, uh, yeah, I had a lot, a lot of swelling and um just some things going on that i i didn't get the greatest news at my last checkup so hoping things can uh turn it around but yeah i had two surgeries last year i was just saying my hair started falling out after anesthesia uh it's been a weird it's been a weird few months for sure and dealing with the just kind of the emotional part of not just having surgery but the reasons that i'm having to do all of this you know really mess with me uh in ways that I'm not fond of so trying to trying to get my shit together on a daily basis has been the theme of the last six or eight months for sure well I've, I've said this to you before just um you and me like having conversations that you really just cover really well like I always think you have your shit together so just from the outside looking in like you're doing fine and I don't know if that's helpful to say or not because I don't know if that reinforces behavior that um, your coping mechanism or you know the need to always be strong but um, for what it's worth it you always look like you have your shit together well thanks that's nice I uh, I was laughing because um, obviously listeners cannot see me right now but I'm wearing kind of like I don't know what do you call this like loungewear leisure wear I don't know leisure wear which is a style people do this all the time I don't like I'm pretty I don't if I'm leaving the house, like I'm, I am dressed, right? I have real clothes on, jeans, whatever. I don't usually go out in leggings or whatever. I just don't. I don't know. My mom had an effect on me apparently. But my daughter was like, what are you doing in the garage? I'm like, oh, Kat's coming over because we're going to record. She's like, you're wearing that? <laughs> I said, yes. And she looked at me. She goes, good for you. Like, what the hell is that? Wow. Oh, the devil is Kiki instead of the devil wears Prada. She's a mess. Like, why? <laughs> I know for you that you are in chillax mode when you have your glasses on and not oh, your yeah. contact, mm -hmm. contacts. Because mm -hmm. I'm so used to seeing you in contacts that when I do see you in glasses, it's like, well, are you are your eyes tired? Did you lose a contact? Are you just like chill the fuck out right like you just need to be well and so today on this day that we we're recording which we changed because initially i was like mm, i don't know if i want to record on the day um so today is officially 25 years since my assault and um it's just yeah i just i was just kind to myself today oh, i just God. took it easy and i just hung out and colored my passion planner to my heart's content Ooh, and passion planner. yeah didn't do all you know just didn't push myself to do all the things and it's so strange for me to think about 25 years of healing and this journey that 
it's been wild like 25 years that's like that's a whole adult person like that's a whole life of a person so it's really interesting to think about not only how far I have come in that time but also having glimpses of what it could be like to just put some parts of this behind me including the physical parts of this surgery which hopefully will be over in about six to eight months I hope Six to eight months, which, you know, for the Pocha fans out there, um, we might have pauses in between just to give Charlene some time to heal. Yep. But how are you, Kat? That was a lot about me. <laughs> well, i um, happy to say that I'm gainfully employed, first and foremost. Yes, because that was a mess for a minute. Yeah, that was a hot-ass mess. And, you know, I have not been unemployed like that in a long ass yeah. time like that is the first time that I've and I really freaked out oh, I really yeah. freaked out over it because um, we had just purchased a house within the last few years this is the first time I'd been without insurance in a long while um, and my mental health just decided to take a shit so mm-hmm. that's where I'm at is not I don't want to say fixing but certainly addressing pieces of my mental health that um, and you and I had this conversation out, outside of this but where I had mentioned like maybe this was something that needed to happen in order for me to really address some things that needed to to be addressed with my mental health. Um, But I'm just so happy to go into 2024 with like a solid paycheck because (laughs) that has not been the thing for the last year. Um, And it has been difficult in, in that like your worth with as a woman, as a woman of color, as a queer person, um, what is your worth out in this world and going down the spiral of, well, what are my skills? What is my skill set? Mm-hmm. What do I bring to the table? Um, and then being a parent of like, well, how much do you share or not share with your, with your family, with your kids in particular about mm-hmm. where you're at in terms of monetary expenses and what you can and can't afford for them anymore? Right. And that was a hard thing for me to come to terms with because it's not as if they won't be gain. There's going to be times where they're not gainfully employed, right? Like Mm -hmm. that just happens in life, right? But how much do you share of, because they were, you know, they, not that they expect, but I guess they do expect a certain amount of things now in life and what, am I worthy of being a parent if I can't live up to Mm. what I had been doing before? Um, And that was difficult. So all of these things to say that 2023 was difficult, but um, we're on the other side of it. And I feel really good about that. There's, nice. there's been some times in my life where I'm like, well, shit, pat on the back for surviving X, Y, and Z. And 2023 is one of them. <laughs> <No> shit. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank Kat. you. That Here was a rough one. Share one more year. Whew. So that's where we're at currently. And hopefully for uh, the folks who listen to the podcast, all five of you, that you are finding uh, the start of 2024 to be productive, better for you, and whatever that means, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you. Yes, agreed. Um, I've I've been reading a few things. You know, some people are like, oh, I don't do resolutions. And we've talked about it. People are like, oh, I love resolutions and whatever. I think whatever gets you into a headspace to be able to get up in the morning and just attack the day, do what you got to do. Right. And sometimes 
it's not get up in the morning. It's like, I just got to stay in bed and or, take care of the thing. Absolutely. Or stay in your you. loungewear and let your children mock you. It's fine. Whatever you, you know, got to do. Your loungewear is still a step up from my everyday work. <laughs> just to let you know. I'm like, uh, wow. Jeans are holy. It's okay. These kids. <laughs> well, uh, good luck, Kat. I hope to be here for your accomplishments this year. The same Z's? Yeah. We're going to have a lot. I I'm, think just, so. I'm just going to put that out there into the world. I we're like it. All right. So we're going to move from getting, to, you know, getting to where we're at now, getting caught up to, I don't know if you've noticed, there's been a war since October that's going on in Israel and Palestine. Yeah. And yes, we're not saying this to be a downer. This is not, this is not our thing is where we bring heavy topics to the table necessarily to be down but there's definitely a lens of which we look through things um especially from this intersection where we're at in the borderlands from a queer perspective from a woman of color perspective right so since october there has been an ongoing war and it happened with hamas um attacking israel and so Israel is now in uh, the Gaza Strip, and there's been a lot of uproar around it. I think a lot of it is, you know, because of social media, that you have more access to mm -hmm. information, so there's more personal stories coming out of the Gaza Strip. Um, so we're getting more information just in general, right? Mm -hmm. But there is also kind of people of color coming together to talk about very vocally what it is that... Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip are going through mm -hmm. um, and so I just wanted to give kind of just to for folks who don't kind of know the history and there is a lot of there are a lot of things that I'm going to skip over but you can go down that rabbit hole I'm just going to get a super quick caught up on what the history is and why they're kind of there today oh please do <laughs> so um Back in the early 1900s. I know, we're going back 100 years. The Ottoman Empire was dissolved following World War I, right? And the long and short of it is, to the victors go the spoils. And I don't mean that to be cruel or anything, but um, part of it was splitting up some of the pieces of the Ottoman Empire. England or the UK got Mesopotamia and Palestine, what we know as Palestine. So there were differing proposals on what to do with Palestine, and the tensions grew as time went on. And of course, with an influx of people, because the the world World War One was in the the teens of the 1900s, right? So an influx of Jewish individuals were migrating, leading up to World War Two, because of course, what was happening in Germany and in different parts of Europe. So you have this increase in folks moving to the area. There's um, now starting to happen uh, like a boost of Jewish nas nationalism and a, and a need for or a want for a homeland. Mm -hmm. Post-World War II, the UN then stepped in to try to find a solution to a very complex issue. There was a war between Arab and Jewish communities in the area. The war was won by the Jewish communities. And at the end of that, um, the, and, and also coinciding with the end of the British mandate in the area, in governing the area, the Jewish People's Council declared uh, an establishment of the State of Israel, which was recognized by the U.S., but it wasn't recognized worldwide. So to be clear, like after this war, Jewish communities were like, and then we're going to create a State of Israel. And not all of the world was on board, but the U.S. was. And after, you know, the U.S. having the power that it did after World War II, 
it, it played a heavy weight in, in how the rest of the world was treating that area. So several Arab nations joined in and um, uh, had a war against uh, the state of Israel. Egypt then ended up occupying the Gaza Strip. Um, there were other areas, including like the Golan Heights, the West Bank, East Jerusalem, that were captured and occupied, captured and occupied over the decades and several wars. There's a lot more to this. There's the Oslo Accords. There's so much um, for in terms of history, but that's the basics of it, of how we got to where it was. And so for me, it, it's been an interesting why we want to talk about it. Um, and it's for me, it's a two-part piece. Mm-hmm. One is the colonizer aspect of right. it. Yep. Like the intersection of what a colonizer ends up happening long-term for a people's. Mm-hmm. So Palestine was given to the British, the British and the U.S., um, for that matter. Um, the U.S., of course, having its own history of colonization, right? Uh, they did not take into consideration like self-determination and the complexities of the peoples that lived there. And of course, when intervening in another country, and we have seen this happen in Central and South America, when colonization happens or happened, and then the subsequent intervention in, in the governments in Central and South America, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, the U.S. has put its hands in those governments and the outcome isn't, hasn't always been, you know, quote unquote, the best. Mm-hmm. And so from a perspective of, of a person who lives in the borderlands, that is a very fascinating thing for me to see is what the outcome is of when a colonizer doesn't allow for self-determination and thinks it's doing like big brother, what's best for these people who can't for themselves. Right. Right. And, and we, so I'm so glad you, we we talked about, do we want to talk about this? And me, I was telling you, I really don't feel educated enough to have a really clear discussion about what's happening, why it's happening. And you, I knew you did. Um, And I think you know, if folks have noticed, like, we haven't posted anything about this either. And I know your silence speaks volumes, right? And it's not because we aren't thinking about this or paying attention. I truly just don't want to speak out of turn because I don't truly know the history or don't truly know what's going on. From what you are saying and from the conversations that we've had and the little that I've read and seen, um, the colonizer aspect is big, right? We, as the United States, put our hands in, as you mentioned, and it feels like, to me, the uneducated, like, 50 million miles away bystander who's not really paying attention, but we are looking for the power connection. We want the allies. We want the people who serve to give us something back. And those are not going to be poor countries. Those are not going to be countries that are made up of women and children. They don't have anything to give us, right? So we're going to arm and give money to those that um, serve to give us something in return, whether now or later. And we have seen, as your name, naming in these Latin American countries, we're fueling civil wars cartels all kinds of shit because we think we know what's best for people without 
asking or giving a shit about the non-governmental people, the residents of these places. One of the other things we talked about is like, it's okay not to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. It's okay Mm -hmm. to sit in a, you know what, I don't fully understand or am aware. I might have empathy for X, Y, and Z, but in terms of having an opinion, it's okay to to not, because it is so complex, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are just so many identities, for instance, the LGBT community and how some, not all, uh, Arab communities or Muslim countries Mm -hmm. treat LGBTQ people. Like you would think, oh, well then obviously the LGBTQ people are going to be on the side of Israel. And that's not always the case. Right. And then the complexity of if you're not on the side of Israel, does that make you anti-Semitic? Yes. That oversimplification of if you're pro one, you're anti the other. And that's not the way humans operate for the most part. So that has been a big one for me. And really, I think this also speaks to, you know, we we talk about Maslow's hierarchy and when people's basic needs are met. The last several months, truly, I have been in a state of physical and emotional survival that has been really reduced to my bubble. I right. Because I just cannot or have been in spaces where I could not take on additional trauma or difficulties that are outside of myself and that sounds so selfish and it even it it makes me cringe to even say it out loud because I'm typically not that way but I I really have just been reduced to taking care of my bubble because it's all I could handle so when you're saying things like it looks like you have your shit together that's one of the things that I've had to do is just focus like back off of the news social media things that are outside of my little you know, my little space because I cannot take, take that on, on. One more emotional I, thing. I cannot take that on. And I think for our gente, that happens a lot. So when we see, you know, there is this this level of when you can take on additional things, even if, I mean, this is horrific and the things that are happening to, to these people are, war is horrific. War is absolutely horrific. Um, but when we look at even something like, recycling like if you're in survival mode as a person as a family as a parent as a whatever like saving the planet might seem so abstract and so theoretical because you're in everyday survival what do i need to do to feed myself and my children before the sun comes up tomorrow i'm probably not going to be thinking about things like climate change And that's a hard thing to swallow because we want people to care about things beyond themselves. And when people are stuck in cycles of trauma, addiction, poverty, whatever, that's really hard to do. And and I would like to, yes, and. Um, In my mind, there's also a difference between I don't have the capacity emotionally or otherwise to think outside of this for a while. Like I need to unplug from X, Y, and Z. And someone who just doesn't give a shit, period, Fair. because they are just selfish, right? There is a yes. difference. And for for those folks not having an opinion on that side, okay, again, valid, whatever. But then don't try to insert yourself in a conversation Absolutely. if you are um, on purpose and without dealing with other things, trying to stick your head in the sand and not right. and just not be educated on things. Right. Um, and then there's a there's another side. There's a whole other side of this 
that we talked about, um, and we've talked about this before, like what happens when there's like cancel culture, right? Mm -hmm. So aside from the conflict itself, there's another aspect that's piqued my interest at the very least. And one of that is like when high, either celebrities or just other high profile folks have an opinion or repost information um, and then there's backlash for it. And right. one, there's a couple examples. One of the most recent ones is uh, Juliana Margulies, best known for the show ER. And she was on a podcast in November of 2023 and said, and this is from msn.com, I did not hear the podcast itself, but mm -hmm. of course I saw it on my third podcast party uh, happiness for <laughs> for news right so then i had to follow up on it so on msn.com it said um that on this podcast asserted that black communities should be supportive of jewish people amidst the ongoing israel and hamas war but they have been quote brainwashed to hate jews she Ooh. also questioned why members of the lgbtqia plus community would stand with palestine especially after jews have rallied around them and Hamas uh, rallied around the LGBTQ community and Hamas doesn't quote want LGBTQ people um so because of that she had backlash and uh issued an apology subsequent to to that podcast so that's that's another whole and I think about this for us not just being on the podcast and what if like let's say I have a differing opinion from you and I want to post it and I do and then we get backlash right. for it but also in you know my professional life having opinions and then having the backlash that could mm -hmm. you know impact employment mm -hmm. yeah that so this is something we were talking about and there's a couple of things that it it's also ironic to me so like you said there are people who just haven't paid attention maybe because they haven't had the emotional or, or physical capacity to do so or there are people who just aren't paying attention because they don't think it affects them, right? That's a different place that doesn't affect me. I don't want to have to think about it. But then a celebrity says something and all of a sudden we want to talk about what this famous person thinks, believes, what they know, how it affects us. The irony of it to me is it's insane that we will get more riled up about some tv star from i mean has she been in other things i'm sure she's been in other things she's currently playing a lesbian ha huh? that's ironic mm -hmm. um in a sh morning show i think is what it's called um i haven't seen it myself so uh -huh. I, but she is in a current show but this person we are now so worked up about what this person has to say when are you are you even attaching that to what is happening in this other place that is so far from us like are you even attaching that to like there have been some videos and things that come across my feed that I'm just like I don't give a fuck who you are if we can live in a world where we are okay with war crimes happening to newborns and mothers and like if we are okay with that we are this is how the holocaust happened and people didn't say shit this is exactly how because we turned our fucking heads like we are if you can if you can get riled up about what some actress thinks about that but not to the event itself like we are so separated from reality it's terrifying and the, the flip side to that is just how much social um capital yes. that that influencers can have so yes. like celebrities 
when they say things or, or high profile individuals, when they say things, sometimes it garners like a lot of attention so that it does good. And then sometimes it gets this backlash. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm not here saying a, that we are (laughs) high profile or anything, but I do see the fine line that people have to walk, but also just don't answer the question if you don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, I haven't listened to the podcast, so I'm not, but based on what I've read, it's hard to take that out of context. Right. Really hard to. Yeah. So, you know, just sometimes like if you don't know, it's okay to not have an opinion. Like if that was posed Mm -hmm. to you and you're like, "Mm, you know, I've heard some things, but I don't know that I'm qualified or, or what have you. And that's different from saying, I don't care or you know, black people should think this or that based on whatever story I have in my head. My real answer would be ask Kat. Um, <laughs> that's what I would really say. One one interesting thing that I've been as a very, very recently paying attention to is speaking of celebrities and you saying like we have more information now because of social media, these organic journalists that have popped up in Palestine, um, you know, like Bissan, Motaz, Plestia, they have popped up they're just reporting from where they're at Mm -hmm. just saying like this is what is happening in my day to day and that to me feels so real um one of them uh, i think it was Bassan was talking about this really terrible back pain that she's having that she's it's been a history in her life but she's like i was going to therapy i was doing all these things and now I'm sleeping on concrete and looking for food and, you know, this is just my life right now. And so my, my back pain is excruciating. And, um, I think things that come out of wars in past lifetimes, it feels like that we haven't had that insight to of like, what does it look like to walk around in your city when everything is rubble and where people are just dying all over the place. And it, it's not going to end tomorrow. It hasn't ended in, I don't know, how 80, however many days now or wherever we're at. It, it's just, that is so interesting to me to to be able to connect with a person that is living this experience right now. Um, that has been really interesting to me. And, and um, following some of these folks is educational for me and also... Um, I don't know. It it's a different level of empathy and compassion when you feel like you're following these people and and seeing where they're at. Um, it's it's a something we haven't had access to in the past because of the advent of of social media and the ability to get information at at higher rates of speed than we ever had before. Mm-hmm. It does bring the personal to the forefront on probably a lot of different levels. Like I'm sure on someone else's social media feed. There may be personal stories of people living in Israel Absolutely. who are bombed by Hamas that are, um, in, you know, being watched. And mm-hmm. the, the level of in- empathy is with that personal story because it's it's not a no one's winning. No one's, no one's winning. winning. That's the point. No one's winning. It doesn't because those people like with any war. For the most part, the people who are having to live with the atrocities of war are not the people who have chosen to be at war. Right. Exactly. That that sums it up perfectly. And, you know, when it when it comes also to um, Latina individuals and having an opinion, 
Melissa Barrera, in mm-hmm. fact, it, it impacted her yes. uh, job ability, at least with one specific job. So she had been posting, and this is from Stylecaster. I, I do follow her on social media, but I didn't see these particular posts. Mm-hmm. But um, So she's posted a couple things, about a dozen posts or so about the war since the attack in, in October. Um, and one of the ones that remains on her Instagram feed uh, says, quote, we come together as artists and advocates, but most importantly, as human beings witnessing the devastating loss of lives and unfolding horrors in Palestine and, and Israel. But some earlier posts were the ones that she she got backlash on and then lost a job because of it. So the company that has been creating the Scream franchise let her go. Which, let's be real. She brought, breathed life back into this fucking franchise like nobody's business. And then they were like, oh, you said something we don't agree with. You got to go by. What the fuck? Right. And so that shows just how it works, like in both situations with Juliana Margulies and Melissa Barrera, how having an opinion works for two individuals, mm-hmm. one who just lost her job. And Juliana Margulies, to my knowledge, has not lost her job. Right even though what she said was that black people have been brainwashed. Right. And that that is a v- very interesting thing to see how things are shaking out even within high celebrity or high profile individuals mm-hmm. and what happens in the backlash for having an opinion. It's cra- it's crazy to me and you know f- listeners know we are Melissa fans all day. Oh yes. And Back to this, we live in this place with social media and with celebrities where we feel that we have access, or we do have access to these folks, and that makes some people feel that they also have a right to judge what people think and how they live and what they do, and um it it, it's kind of shocking to me the backlash that came from that not just her losing the job but the comments that people were so like sinvergüenza handing out to her about how she should feel and think and it i don't understand it baffling there has been often an opinion that celebrities in particular like movie television and uh, music artists um, shouldn't get themselves involved in mm-hmm. Pol- mm-hmm. in the political arena, uh, despite the fact that we had a president who was an actor. Just going to put that out there. Uh, and several two. governors. Oh, Three? that's true. Two. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever. Like... That, that to me say, doesn't hold any I was going to say three, but for a hot second, I was like, wasn't Schwarzenegger president at some point? <laughs> you have to be a not naturalized yet. citizen. He oh, cannot never. Run for, he cannot, not unless we change the constitution. That, mm. But however, Al Gore, oh no, he was vice president. He did make a movie about climate change. Any hoot. That's, that's I was no thinking hope. Reagan and Trump. Well, yes. Yeah. Uh, so Yes high profile having opinions and it's okay to not if you just don't have the emotional and mental capacity and bandwidth for that like that's that's okay it's okay it, and it, it it's okay to not say something i think that's another piece that we've lost with social media and keyboard warriors yeah it's okay to not say something you don't have to commentate on every no, single it's okay cultural thing that's happening in this world 
interesting thing called an internal filter that it's okay to have. And I've been guilty of not using that filter. So I Same. know that of which I speak. Same. I, I, I just feel that this is such a... This is such a big thing. There's so much history. There's so much emotion. And and people are dying on both sides unnecessarily. You know, I, again, I feel very, I feel the need to be very cautious about what I say. Not because I'm afraid to, to give an opinion, but because I don't feel educated enough to understand what is happening. And there are so many layers to it. There as, are so many as with most every, like, yes international relationship there are so many layers because we've been around for thousands of years Mm -hmm. right so like yeah of course there's going to be layers and history and all of the things (sighs) one of the i will say as a as a cap on this one of the things that got me really starting to think about this and pay attention was over christmas i saw a few things where they were um folks were posting about christmas being canceled in bethlehem Mm. And I was like, okay. Again, how detached are we from what is happening um, that we can't see the irony in that? Right. Jesus, like, Palestinian Jew, no Christmas in Bethlehem. It's a lot. For people who were rejected over and over before, yeah. they just had to go to a barn, essentially. Yeah. I mean, just to saying. have their baby. Uh huh. I don't even want to have my baby in the hospital, <laughs> much less in a barn. So, leave it to you. <laughs> I mean, I was like, mm, do we really have to do this? I mean, if yeah. you wanted her out, yeah. There's only one way out. Okay. Well, there's a couple ways out. None of them fun. No, no. I can't imagine. Nor do I ever want to be in that position. <sighs> thank goodness. Well, Kat, thank you for educating me and our listeners slightly. I, I'm sure there's a billion ways you can educate yourself on this issue for folks that have time, space, capacity to do so. Uh, I, I It is a fascinating wormhole to go down mm-hmm. and learn about the history and context because it goes, I mean, obviously it goes further back than just World War One. Um, but, you know, there is a hotline for uh, learning about the history of it. It's called the Hotline for Israel-Palestine, hotline4ip.com. Wow. So you can get a lot of information. Oh, I love this. So, yeah, educate yourself if you if you feel the need. Um, if you and wanna, have the capacity. Yeah. You want to know more? You want to understand? Uh, be able to have, be opinionated on this? Oh, you can also text your questions. What? Seriously, 617 617- Three one three two one two five. You can text questions. That's amazing. I right? love this. Ooh. I'll, I'm gonna let you know if I if I do this. Please, I want to see what some of the answers are. What if my question is just like, what the fuck is happening over there? <laughs> um, I'm. You know, they'll probably it'll probably be one long night of you getting a lot of answers. Okay. If I'm feeling lonely, maybe that's the question I'll ask. Well, if you were feeling lonely within the last several months in Arcaia de Nuevo. <gasps> Yes. We're going to get ourselves caught up in what we've been watching and reading. Agreed. Okay. So first and foremost, I finally saw the Barbie movie. <laughs> and yes, it did take for the movie to be on a streaming platform before I saw it. Great. <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment. Okay. I don't know that you... <laughs> I don't know that you have been waiting this long for I this have. outcome. I'm ready. So I watched it. Um, admittedly, I may or may not have nodded off a couple times during the movie. Okay, fair. Um, 
but did it live, live up to its height? I, I'm, admittedly, I will say that it was kind of meh for me, but here's why. I know, you're right now you're tossing your hair and you're holding back, um, trying to choke me out. But, so we've talked about this before, that yes, I did play with Barbies, but I didn't feel seen in all of the pink, sure. right? right? Like, pink is one of my favorite colors, but it's hyper-feminine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mostly a white-looking doll. I mean, mm-hmm. typically straight, like, unless you literally went out of your way to have two Barbies, two femme Barbies hook up, like, whatever. So I never really got seen by them, right? Went out of your way. I mean, (laughs) so yes, the movie did bring up some real issues, 100% about the patriarchy, about uh, what Barbie has or has not represented for in the binary for girls and in the not binary for people who are tapping into their femme side. So yes, it did bring up a lot of that. Was the movie important? Abso-fucking-lutely. It was a bonding moment for parents and their children in particular. Again, yes, in the binary between moms and daughters. There's a lot of moms who played with Barbies. Their kids play with Barbies. And so there's that moment where they can kind of bond together about the kinds of play they had with the Barbies. Um, And it it did piss off conservatives, which (laughs) it was one of my favorite pastimes Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was an incredibly important movie. But for me, it was like... Society was playing catch up to things that I had already been talking about and dealing with and fighting for for years. Okay. Okay. So that that's where I was at with the Barbie movie. I liked it. It was funny though. I personally liked it. I, I first of all, America Ferreira, love. Yes. Love that she was a lead. Love that she was in the role. Loved her dialogue. I thought that was amazing. I I love a little hype. You know, I love a little hype. Even if things don't live up to said hype, I love a little hype. I, when people are excited about something, I love that. Even if I am not excited about that same thing, I'm like, thank God people still have joy in their lives. Yay. I got so much more out of you and the executive producer going and having a great <laughs> time and coming back and telling me stories about how great it was than I actually did out of the movie. And I, that's not great, like a, yeah. that's not like a knock to it or anything. I just... I loved your reaction. Yeah. I love the executive producer's reaction. I loved seeing the reactions on TikTok. That was absolutely the best for me. I love that. Yeah. Well, and you know, any hype that gets conservatives arguing even (laughs) with each other is a good day. Absolutely. I, I did, you know, we talked about, I shared it with my daughter. I did love that. She was very excited about, um, Knowing the word gynecologist, we had just had a conversation. She was like, I know what that is. I was like, yes, you do. Uh, to your point about these are things I've been thinking about fighting for all of it. To that point, it did feel a little bit like a former apology from this, you know, the old school feminist who felt like she was doing the right thing at the time. Mm-hmm. It did. It felt uh, the, the old white lady, which I love the cameo by Rhea Perlman, loved. Hallelujah. Yes. But saying like, oh, shit, well, that's not what I meant, guys. Like, I, oops, you know, that that wasn't my intention. Whether it was or not, I don't know that she could have foreseen what would have come after. But it did feel sort of like this humble pie of, uh, darn, okay, how could I have done better? I also, you know, intent versus impact, all that. It also reminds me, we're not all starting from the same place. Like, yes. Not everyone is at your moment, at that place where they have had to fight and be and 
reconcile identities with what's socially okay or accepted or tolerated or whatever. Like, you have had to do this out of survival and some people haven't or or they haven't reckoned with their identities enough to be able to say hmm I am not I am not the dominant culture definition of what is pretty or okay or you know whatever so I I I hear that and I and I we talked about you just feeling not seen in general by Barbie I also do feel like they're doing a little bit of a back, I don't know, rewind. Um, there's even a Down Syndrome Barbie now. Oh. That they worked with the like National Down Syndrome Society to create. There's thicker bodied Barbies now. Obviously dark skinned Barbies because yes. OG Barbie, white, blonde, blue eyes, all the things. Right. So I, I uh, we talk about all the time and it's one of the reasons the podcast works we have had very different experiences in life and things that you have had to endure and deal with and and come to terms with and rise above i have not and and this wasn't that for sure this was a very dominant culture whitewashed apology to the world with some like let's have the black president barbie and like let's throw those things in there (laughs) and i have heard the comments like those those felt tokenizing or whatever so i can see that too um i absolutely love weird barbie though oh weird barbie that is the best i love that she was played i can't remember her name offhand but i do love that um actress um and i will say that even though that i wasn't necessarily or haven't been seen or haven't connected with Barbie in that way, I think we both have the same side of the token of not being able to live up to that quote-unquote stereotype Mm -hmm. of that femininity. Like, mine was in a different way than what yours was. Mine was like, I'm doing it wrong if I don't don't feel like I need to dress up in high heels all the time. And yours might have been like, I'm just never going to be able to be like perfect makeup and all the things every single time. Um... So yes, that, that part together, but yeah, I, I do. One of the best things about these kinds of movies is the pop culture placement after mm-hmm. and how much we are getting out of it. Like, yeah, it's going to be something that you and your daughter and then me and my daughters can joke about because we've seen the movie mm-hmm. and there's a pop culture I don't know, bridge, because there's right. going to be yeah, some movies that they, sure. like, they're not as into Goonies as I am, but we've both seen the Barbie movie, so we can laugh about those pop culture right. references. Absolutely. The other part that I think, I it took me a minute to really think about, and maybe watching it again, it made me think about, was what would it be like if the patriarchy wasn't a thing, mm. and... Or if it were just about horses, right? <laughs> like, yeah, if it were that simple. I, because in the Barbie world, all the Barbies, no matter what they did, the construction worker Barbies and the president Barbies and the astronaut Barbies and the weird Barbie, well, except for weird Barbie, but they all supported each other and they all uplifted each other. And it was like, hey, Barbie, like, have a great day. And I think I need a little bit more of that. Yeah, that's true. This last year has been a lot of... disappointment 
particularly with the people that I thought looked most like me and shared identities with me. And so I'm missing a little bit of that. Hey, Barbie, you know? Yeah, the uplifting from your own community. I need that. For lack of a better, like... Absolutely. Yeah. Like, where are the, where's the Barbie love? I feel I, it was interesting for me to imagine a world where we weren't pitted against each other and what would it be like and how would we interact with each other if it didn't feel like a competition, if it didn't feel like we were vying for resources, attention, whatever. Oh, Charlene, you're Knuff. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I really do think that they did a really great job in casting, though. Oh, like, hilarious! The, those two really did hold the movie. It was, it was just perfect. It was, it really was spot on casting. Oh, and Margot Robbie, like, talk about hotness. Is that how you say her last name? It's not Robbie. It's Robbie. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I love the way that she can, hotness. at the same time, be uh, Harley Quinn and Barbie. Exactly. There you go. Hotness, right? Love it. Okay, so the other movie, and then we watched this together. We did. We went to a movie. We saw The Color Purple. Oh. So I want to know your your take on this. I loved it. Yeah? Oh, I loved it. I loved the singing element. Mm-hmm. I loved, uh, I absolutely love um, Fantasia Barino and Danielle Brooks, both. Okay. And I kept... I think three times probably. Maybe it was the canned wine. I don't know. I leaned over. Is that Fantasia Barino? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Seven minutes later. But is that Fantasia Barino? You know, the one from American Idol. I don't know. <laughs> so then I leaned the other way to our other friend. I'm like, hey, is that Fantasia Barino? <laughs> it was, in fact, Fantasia it Barino. It was, in fact. And I loved that. I loved her singing. I loved... It, it was the same story... But somehow, there was this uplifting moment, or several moments, that just felt a little bit different than the OG, like, 1980-what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. version. And I never read the book. Like, Alice Walker, I never actually read it. Did you read the book? I did read the book. My mom randomly had a copy in the house. Okay. And so I I read the book because I think it was, so the book came out in 82, the movie came out in 85. Wow. I want to say that I read it, uh, it was definitely after the movie came out, so I want to say it was a good, like, 87. So thereabouts, 10, 11-ish mm-hmm. that I read it. Wow. Um, because it was there, not, you know, I was like, oh, this looks interesting, and then I started reading, and I was like, that's a lot of adult content. And there was no TikTok, so what else are you going to do? What else? Yeah, exactly. There was nothing else to do. <laughs> so I did read the book. I watched the OG movie. I, well, I shouldn't say OG, but that adaptation, I absolutely love that movie. That is one of my top favorite mm-hmm. movies. I am still pissed that they got shunned at the Oscars for not winning Best Picture, Dude. for Whoopi Goldberg not winning Best Actress. Um, even though Meryl Streep did win the following year in 86, but still I, I was highly upset that it didn't take anything. Yeah. Not, yes. And not that an award is the end all be all for the success of a film. I mean, there's lots of films with cult followings. I didn't get any recognition, like, you know, maybe the loca, whatever, one of my favorites, but go ahead. Well, no, but for the director, for the actors, for everyone involved in the film, that's the pinnacle of like, we did it right. So I really hope whoever the powers that be are are paying attention to this round and are are ready to hand out some trophies. Uh, same seas. 
Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, and to your point about it being uplifting, that's actually something that, and I cannot, I had read this before we saw the movie, and I cannot for the life of me find that article that I had read. Hmm. Um, and, and honestly, I didn't read the whole article. I had read pieces of it where one of the current uh, cast members was saying, and I want to say it was Taraji P. Henson, but I I might be wrong in my, my memory, had said that the Spielberg adaptation did not have as much joy from the black community oh, yeah. as the musical version. So it's it's mm-hmm. a movie that was based on the musical, which is based on the book, right? Mm-hmm. And it got me to thinking about the lens of which we consume or in this case adapt um, different, not genres, but stories from people that are not in our community. Yes. And by that I mean when I had a deep thought process on the movie itself, I understood what that cast member was talking about. And my example would be this. If 100 Years of Solitude was... If it was adapted and created as a movie and the director was Guillermo del Toro, it would be different than if it was adapted and created by, let's say, Francis Ford Coppola because he made The Godfather, which was also a very long book about generations of family. Mm -hmm. It would be two very different movies because of the lens of which the director is attempting to make the movie. Absolutely. So Spielberg's movie very much had a lens of which showed the black community in constant strife Mm -hmm. and constant oppression. Yes. And this particular movie and adaptation of it with a whole different director, uh, Blitz Buzz. Oh, I'm going to, I'm so sorry. Blitz Bazawule, Bazawule, Bazawule. Yes. I'm just going to go with that. Um, so this particular adaptation did feel more uplifted showed more joy that happens in the black community because you can be an oppressed people and still have joy. Absolutely. You can be a queer person and still have pride in June. Like it's a both and it's not an either or. Yes. So I completely understood what this cast member was saying. And it made me Mm. rethink about the way that I read the book and the lens that I had. Um, And I probably did see it more from a Spielberg point of view of an oppressed community, an oppressed woman mm-hmm. in an oppressed situation. So when you're talking about the joy of the musical, immediately I'm like, yes, Charlene, that was beautiful joy that I saw this time around. Yeah, and the women just supporting each other. Again, having community of, yes, everything sucks, but I got you. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to figure this out because we can have joy within... I'm using the word bubble a lot today. Maybe it's because... I want bubbly. I don't know. But (laughs) within this bubble of oppression, there's still joy. There's complexity. It's not one or the other. It it is absolutely both and. So I loved that there was more complexity in the emotions that the audience got taken through because, and and honestly, I haven't watched this, the Spielberg one probably in 20 years. So. Oh, wow. 
uh, it was sad the first time I, don't, I didn't want to go through that again that's one of the movies that I allow myself to not that I don't cry otherwise but that gives me a good cry oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like a good release mm-hmm. and I feel like I have a reason because I watched it yes. so then I can allow myself that opportunity to just wail mm-hmm. um, we watched the movie together before we watched so we watched the Spielberg adaptation before we went to go watch the Blitz adaptation of it um, and I am, s- I'm glad that I had the opportunity to watch them both like one day after the other. Ooh, smart. To have that, mm-hmm. to have that comparison, but also not comparison because it's so easy to just be like, oh, this versus that. The, right. The lines that we absolutely loved from, mm-hmm. you know, the first to the second and how would, how did Oprah Winfrey play, mm-hmm. uh, um, play her part versus. Right the woman who played uh, from Orange is the New Black who played uh, the part as well. Like, how did Seeley, how did both Seeleys come out? And, oh, by the way, I was really excited to see Whoopi Goldberg in the Oh, I know. I think we all, like, went, (gasps) oh, we saw her. I loved that. So, highly recommend. I loved it. Highly recommend. Loved it. You know what my cry movie is? Mm. What Dreams May Come. Oh, Oh. is that the one with Robin Robin Williams? Williams? Oh, my God. I don't remember. It's one of the most awful movies I, I allow myself to watch. It's so beautiful, though. It is so beautiful. Also, Big Fish. I will cry my eyeballs out of Big Fish. Love Big Fish. Oh, my. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What books did you read, Kat? <laughs> okay, so uh, this, is a, this is hilarious. Mm. Is it, though? It is because I got this recommendation from <laughs> I got this recommendation from you. Uh-huh. Wait, so you you tell me your side of the recommendation. Um, I don't have one. <laughs> That's my side. I figured your side would be, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't. So you told me before, before the, the end of 2023, you were telling me like, oh, you have to read this book. Um, a conflict is not abuse. And I was like, absolutely. I went to my audio. I had like extra credits or whatever. I went to my audio book thing and I was like, yep, I'm going to get it. And then when I told you like, or no, I asked you, is this the name of the book that you told me? I can't remember to, just to make sure. And you're like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. I didn't. I was like, what do you mean? I didn't tell you about that book. You're like, yeah, you did. I was like, no, I didn't. And I had self doubts of like, Am I going crazy? Well, then I started, you're like, yeah, because you said this. And, and then you gave details about the recommendation. And I was like, okay, Kat's not making this up. I have zero recollection about this book, about talking about it. Zero. So then a month later, we're sitting and you were like, oh, yeah, you said that these people recommended it to you. We're sitting in a room with these said people. And I'm like, did you tell me about this book? And she's like, yes, yes, I did. And I was like, cut <laughs> I felt justified, not going to lie, because I really was thinking that I was going crazy. Like, well, now is I my mental am health crazy. That shit right now. Yeah. That I'm making up conversations with Charlene. Well, that solidified for me that I am <laughs> compartmentalizing beyond what is healthy, normal, okay. Like that was so unimportant that it just left my brain. <laughs> well, recommendation aside so i'm can you please recommend this book to me (laughs) so that i can actually read it and remember what we're talking about okay so the book is called conflict is not abuse i am not completely through it um and that's because sometimes when she says things they are i have to listen to them three or four times to be like 
really let that shit sit in and really fully try to understand and just let it marinate. Mm -hmm. So the premise of the book is just that, like conflict is not abuse, even though we sometimes escalate for things to be like that, right? So it's how disagreements lead to conflict and conflict isn't always abuse, but how we, we oftentimes use that escalation, especially in terms of privilege, like who has privilege and who doesn't, mm-hmm. and how it's used against different communities, not just individuals, but communities. One of the biggest and most eye-opening examples was HIV laws in Canada that impact LGBTQ people and sex workers. Because in Canada... Hmm. If you have HIV and you have unprotected sex, you can be prosecuted. Oh, shit. I'm really distilling down the law. I know oh, that shit. there's other pieces to it, but wow. In hearing about, and it's still around today. Wow. And in hearing about this and who actually gets prosecuted, mm. so a conflict in healthcare that criminalized someone's healthcare status and mm. using that conflict as an abuse a my mind was blown but she also gives other interesting um other examples um and the ones that she gives so far have often been within the queer community and they are things that make me think about my relationships and my relationship with my partner that are like wow how often have i escalated a situation that was just a disagreement that turned into conflict, that I leaned into a privilege so that I, because we just automatically assume that when it's abuse, when you call out the abuse, you're right. And mm-hmm. so therefore it doesn't matter what the other party has to say because you're the one calling out the abuse, the so-called abuse. Right. This is a really good book. Ooh. I highly recommend it to you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, that's a, I'm sorry about that, but I'm very interested and I will, uh, I will get right on reading that because I think it's, um, appropriate timing for me to read that. All right. Mm-hmm. Have you been reading anything as of late? So the, yes, a couple of things that I've recently read uh, one is vampires of the norte by isabel cañas and that was a recommendation by our og listener carmen oh so that one you remember okay keep going hi carmen <laughs> yes that one i remember it was really good did you listen to it have you i read have it? not listened oh, to it yet good. i'm still in the middle of conflict it's not abuse but go ahead totally different thing this is about you know latino vampires on the rancho like what else could you want in this life really Oh, damn. It's great. Is it set in Mexico or is it set, or, you know, you're saying Latino, so it could be set in any other country. I defaulted to Mexico. Apologies. I believe they're in Mexico and it's very much on the rancho and it's a love story and it's vampires and it's uh, um, very much this sort of magical realism that we love that just makes it to where like, oh yeah, of course vampires are real and we have to be careful because they're out there. Mm Mm-hmm loved it it was very good and very complex family stories and stories that are just embedded about who owns the ranch who has power on the ranchos who has the money who doesn't what happens to the women the daughters like who do they get to marry all of that and it's it's really good i really liked it Mm. 
okay. It's, yeah, it it was is on my one. list after I get through conflict. It was a fun one. All right. So it might be a good break from, I mean, if you think vampires are fun. Vampires are fun. <laughs> yeah. And okay. it's nice to get, because usually we think of vampires in the context of European vampires. Like, right. you know, they started in Transylvania and yes. it goes through the UK and it comes over here, much like colonization, right? Uh, maybe not from Transylvania originally, but... Um, yeah, so we don't normally hear it except for the chupacabra in terms of Latine. I was just going to say, this has a chupacabra vibe. Ooh. It really does. Okay. It, yes. You could, I, I think they could be interchanged. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that's on your listy list? Um, so you were saying earlier, like, I had an extra credit. I just used it. Sometimes you get it in, like, I don't know, credit panic. And you're like, I need a book. <laughs> uh, so this was one of mine. And it just came up on my, you know, you might like this because of whatever. The algorithm. I don't know. But The Midnight Library. So freaking good. Is it, wasn't that a Netflix show? It was a Netflix show? Oh, oh my God. Oh. I have to go right now. I'll be busy for the next six hours. You're welcome. Oh, maybe it might be different. Okay, it don't mess with me. Sorry. The Midnight Library, it's by Matt Haig. Uh, again, came across it by accident. It is so good. It is about this person, this woman, who is on, she's having a life or death situation. Okay. And she ends up in this library that all the books in the library are her life had she made one decision differently. I remember you talking about this one. It is so good. It is so good. I I venture to say, you know, I was talking to another friend about it, um, Dina. Hi, Dina. And she was saying, you know, they say there are no new stories. I feel like this is a new story. I was like, me too. So lots of different things in this. Very interesting. And there were parts that I was like, meh, okay, cheese ball. But overall, the plot, the story, it was great. I loved it. I, I was sucked in. It was good stuff. I love the fact that you're giving me two books that I need to put on my audiobooks collection. Yes. And um, in 2024, I'm trying to make a point of either listening to audiobooks, which I still consider reading. Absolutely. Or physically reading books. Because I did get too. a few books for Christmas. Um, one of which was <laughs> Serial Killer Trivia. Wow. One of which you gave me, which mm-hmm. I've already used in conversation several times. Yay. So it's the, oh shit, the title is escaping me. The Dictionary of Sorrows. Obscure Sorrows. Obscure Sorrows. Yes. So it has words to emotions that we didn't previously have. So the author kind of researched or found words in different languages that have meaning to some of the emotions that we have. Um, my favorite so far is Fottle, F-A-W-T-L-E. <laughs> and those are the flaws that your partner has that you that endures you to them even more. But the way that the author described it is so beautiful, saying like, in water, if it wasn't for those little bits of minerals, there would be no like electrical current. You would be missing that spark because mm-hmm. water would be so pure. Interesting. So water wouldn't be water without those impurities, without those flaws. And I thought that that was just so beautiful because I love that. I do want, you know, I want to love and be loved, not in spite of, but because of that which gives me spark. Oh, Kat, that is getting into one of my 2024 
not resolutions, but intentions maybe, mm-hmm. is trying to not live in the shame parts. Mm. Like to let the minerals be the minerals. I think, so you and I have had this, this is totally deviating from the books, but mm-hmm. you and I have had this conversation about unconditional love for ourselves. Yes. And admittedly, that's something that I'm missing. But this definition brings me one step closer Ooh, to I that, love that. Because I wouldn't have that spark of whatever, bochaness, of catness, whatever, if I didn't have all those flaws. Exactly. And so I'm one step closer to unconditionally loving myself, which has Aww. been missing for 47 years. Good Lord, you're old. Just kidding. I yeah. love that. Um, Yes, good. Anything else that you've been watching? Or I will say one show that I just started watching that you might like. I don't know if you've already seen it. um, Poker Face? No. Natasha Leone? Mm -mm. Oh, it's so good. What is that? You know who Natasha Leone is? Not a clue. Crazy wild hair. She's from um, Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black, yeah. She's got the voice. That's kind of like... Yeah, like she's been a smoker since birth? Yeah, Yeah. she's smoking since she was three months old. It's so good. Every episode is kind of its own thing, but she accidentally keeps solving murders. (laughs) I think that's on our watch list. It's so good. Accidentally, again, accidental fine, but it's so good. Um, Been watching that. I also, we just started watching Six Feet Under. Ooh, which that is so good. I think I'm in season two now. Um, and everyone keeps like looking at me like, are you kidding me that you have not seen this series? And I'm like, uh, no, I know I'm like 20 years behind, but here we are watching it now and it's good. It, it really is a good, mm, I, I would, for me, that particular show at the very end, the very last episode, had me bawling. That's what you said, and now I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. It might not have the same effect on you. It probably will. I cry for everything. But the grieving process was <sighs> so tangible for me. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't wait for you to get to the end because I really want to just, even on the personal side, maybe not on the podcast, just talk about that one. Oh, okay. I'm gonna keep watching with you. Well, and I can't. It's one of those things that I can't get through. Um, so me and my husband are watching it, so I can't cheat on him with oh, episodes. Yeah. So I have to wait till we're watching it together. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's quite a few things that are on my watch list, and some of them, I'm like, oh, this is definitely a watch without honey. Um, <laughs> and then there are some that are definitely a watch with honey. Yes. But yeah, some of the ones that I watch without honey are like the German dubbed copaganda. I know, I know, judge me all you want, but that's what I have capacity for. Is- German dubbed copaganda. Those are all words that <laughs> I don't even think go together. Like copaganda are those shows that uh, aggrandize cops, right? right? And like the ones from Europe, because I think it makes me feel good about the U.S. being so fucked up. Like, oh, you guys are fucked up too? Great. Um, and as of late, there are some, like I've gone through all of the Netflix BBC ones, so now I have to look outside of that. So I'm looking into, you know, I'm having to go to like the Finland propaganda and the German propaganda, and they're all dubbed in English. So like the talking is all off and, oh, we would never say that, but it doesn't matter. It's just, how it's on in the background. Can, how do you even watch that? It's on in the background as I work. Wow. Uh-huh. My so, background show that I uh, have gone back to as of late is Schitt's Creek. 
Ooh, I want to rewatch that. Yeah, it's a, it's I'm I'm bit, like halfway through episode one, and remembering the episode one was not my favorite, and I almost didn't get through the series because of like episodes one and two probably that I was like, Same. really? Hani had to convince me to watch all the way through. I know. Uh huh. And then here we are. You know, when we haven't been together for so long that we just want to keep going on an episodio, that's like my favorite, but also I'm sure that by now people are we like, wrap it up. really, we've heard 15 things that you're watching and reading and everything. You're right. I'll shut up. <laughs> okay. So this has been episodio 56, 56, mm. back on for 2024. You got caught up with us. You got caught up with the war and you also got caught up with some things that you should read and watch over the next few days and months. More than you needed. I mean, come on. You keep coming back for more than you needed. So it's par for course. This whole podcast is more than you needed. So <laughs> it's exactly what you needed. <laughs> I'm still Kat. I'm still Charlene. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.